Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Titletown podcast. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Melissa Burns. Hello, everybody. My name is Craig Stanton. Craig, I'm going to give you an early Merry Christmas. Hey. Uh, since this know, will be our last episode before the holiday. And Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone out there, too. Yeah. I uh, agree. <laughs> <laughs> you share the sentiment. Excellent. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. All that stuff. Uh, today we are going to talk about the abysmal Patriots loss from this weekend. (sighs) Yeah, that sums it up. That's the episode done. I hope you enjoy it quite a bit, listeners. I know I did. (laughs) Take some joy from our misery. That's all you can do. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, enjoy. Later. Bye. Everybody, welcome to the Titletown Sports Podcast, uh, pre-Christmas edition. Yeah, six and, days uh, out. Six days out. We're counting down, we baby. Uh, this is this is either episode sixty or episode fifty-nine <laughs> for the second time. <laughs> Melissa, do you want to tell them? Do you want to tell them what happened to the uh, to the to the forgotten episode fifty-nine from last week? Yeah, so we were recording remotely, as we're also doing tonight. As and we do. You it, from the Titletown Satellite Offices in Quincy, yeah, me from my Quincy. car like a vagrant. Yeah, like a homeless person. Nice. Um, and yeah, we... Behind we the ran- dominoes. <laughs> Next to a dumpster, probably. We <laughs> ran into some technical difficulty, and somehow my half of the recording got corrupted and could not be played as a file. So we could have posted an episode with just Craig talking to himself mm. and probably laughing like a maniac occasionally with no context as to what was said on the other a side. A lot of gaps, a lot of long <laughs> gaps, a lot of long pauses. In fact, when we were trying to fix it, I was playing other recordings that we've done to my husband and he was very confused as to why all the, he's like, what's with the gaps? And I was like, <laughs> Craig's talking. <laughs> it is a little weird to have it separated like that. So, yeah. alas, there was no episode 59. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think our listeners can probably imagine what it was we were talking about. We were bitching primarily about that Miami game, which was a total yeah. disaster. Yeah. Uh, luckily, yeah. similar tone to this <laughs> week's episode. Yeah, things didn't change much. Yeah. I think the um, TLDR of last week's episode is we were pissed. Yeah. So luckily we can just sort of carry over those thoughts into this week because not a lot has changed. Yeah. You want to tell us about the Patriots this week? Yeah, sure. Okay. So this week in Patriots land, uh, things went from sort of bad to worse uh, after the, like we said, fucking devastating loss to on the final play in Miami. Uh, The Pats hit the road to face their perennial AFC rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Although this is generally a tough game. The Steelers have not beaten the Patriots, or had not beaten the Patriots, I should say, in a regular mm. season or playoff game since 2011. Wow. Until Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. 17 to 10 was your final uh, at Heinz Field, and uh, the Patriots have now fallen to 9 and 5 on the season and 3 and 5 on the road. Uh, this marks in the, just to fucking add insult to injury the last two weeks. This is yeah. the second time that they've shipped the hats and t-shirts down. 
second time in as many weeks where the uh, AFC Championship hat and t-shirt game eluded them um, as they have still not clinched the division and they also haven't clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, that's crazy. Their hopes of winding up as the two seed, though, aren't like totally destroyed. They do need Kansas City, uh, L.A., and or Houston to fucking drop a few games. Um, and this week, they all have tougher matchups than the Patriots do. They're playing the Bills and Foxborough, who suck. Um, KC has the Seahawks on the road. L.A. has the Ravens at home. Houston travels to Philly to play the Eagles. Um, so those are like not pushover games. I mean, of the four... The Pats definitely have the easiest one. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but, we'll, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, in other Patriots news this week, I guess you could look at this as a positive. Tom Brady and Stephon Gilmore were named to this year's Pro Bowl. Uh, and we also got some news today about some Tom Brady injury uh, rumors. Uh, but that's a big league tease. More on that later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah, the rumors are swirling. Uh, moving on to the Bruins, who a couple of weeks ago we thought might be in free fall. Uh, but they're now four and three since they got their asses whooped uh, in Florida by the lowly Panthers. They dropped some big ones to the Penguins and Sabres, but they did also have some impressive wins, including a 6-3 win at home against Toronto, which was a nice game. And most recently, a big 4-0 victory in Montreal. Uh, Bruins are sitting firmly in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, but are looking up at Buffalo, Toronto and Tampa in the Atlantic Division. This week, we saw the return of Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo. We are missing Zdeno Chara and Patrice Bergeron, but they were at full practice today, and they were uh, full contact at practice today. Oh, no so that's, shit. Yeah, very, oh, I didn't po- know that. very positive news. That's extremely positive news. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the Bruins grind kind of continues this week with games against Anaheim, Nashville, and New Jersey. And, and the game after that is the fucking Winter Classic, New Year's oh, Day. Fun. That will be at uh, Soldier's Field in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. There's like a gentleman's agreement in hockey that like you can't trade people around the trade dead or around Christmas. Uh, is that so? I never. I was yeah. not aware of this. So uh, there's like a agreement. a trade stoppage around a the trade, holidays. A trade moratorium. Yeah, so that people aren't like uprooting their lives right around Christmas. So you won't see any movement from the Bruins over the next week or two. Um, But maybe after the Winter Classic, you know, especially when they get everyone back and healthy, um, we might see some moves coming if they need another defenseman or definitely someone that can score would be helpful. Yeah, some secondary scoring would be good. Although one of the things that's been interesting about Bergeron being out, just like a quick line on that, is they moved David Krejci from the second line to the first line. So Krejci was, for a lot of the time that Bergeron's been out, he replaced... Patrice Bergeron on that Marchand-Bergeron-Pasternak line. So you have David Krejci now playing in between Bergeron and Pasternak. And they have just, I mean, it took a couple games to kind of like figure it out. But for the last few games, that threesome has been as good, arguably, as they were when Bergeron was there. So there's been some speculation about, okay, well, if you know that that top line is going to be sick based, no matter who's centering it, whether it's David Krejci or Bergeron, maybe you stick Bergeron on that second line where Krejci was yeah. and really wasn't having a whole lot of success. And Patrice Bergeron automatically makes anybody he's playing with better. So maybe that brings a little more scoring out of uh, Jake DeBrusque and whoever else is on the uh, other wing there. Yeah, So that was like a, a little call. like, you know, that first line apparently is good with or without Patrice. You know, it's just yeah, yeah. like you, know, you got to have a competent setter there, but there's just enough talent that it can it can work. So maybe that maybe just that little move could 
Yeah, that could be it. nice. Could get them some scoring out of another line, which is what they really need. Yeah, I mean, that's what they desperately, desperately need. Even when they're healthy, that's what they need. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, big week for the Bruins. How do you, how do you feel about those uh, Winter Classic jerseys? Have you seen them? No, I didn't see them. You I haven't have seen Google. them? Oh, that was a couple no. weeks ago. We sort of missed it on the podcast, but... They're uh, they're like the old like nineteen like thirties style picture white sweater big brown B in the middle no spokes just a big ass B. Oh yeah, fucking, yeah yeah yeah. I just googled it. Lovably lovably ugly. Yeah, they are uh, very like nineteen seventies Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh 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 I, uh, yeah I was gonna say it's not seventies Bruins but yeah no, yeah no, you're no. right. Yeah so, I'm yeah, out those on that. <laughs> I'm out you're on not that. into them? No, not into. If them. I'm if I'm ranking my uh, Bruins Winter Classic jerseys, it goes from the Gillette Stadium ones, which were the black. They still wear those as third jerseys now. Yeah. Uh, I like these ones in second place. And the first Winter Classic that they did at Fenway in like 2010, those ones were awful. They were like yellowish with like a very like cartoony looking bee. I, it was not. It was oh, not good. Oh, I remember those. Oh, those were terrible. Yeah, those weren't great. Yeah, no, I'm not into that. Anyways. Okay, Anywho. let's move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the Celtics. Yes. Uh, well, so for clarity, it's uh, what is it? Wednesday night, yes. and the Celtics just it's lost to the to the Suns, uh, which sucks. Oh dear. I was writing up this little recap while that game was happening, so just put yourself back in time before that game happened. Don't look now, <laughs> but the Celtics won some games over the last few weeks. He said, uh, "The Celtics ripped off eight wins in a row before they got beat on Saturday by the Detroit Pistons." Um, some highlights of this now dead win streak were yeah. uh, beating the Chicago Bulls by the largest largest uh, point differential in team history of 56 points. Incredible. Gordon Hayward dropping 30 off the bench against Minnesota. Uh, beating the Anthony Davis-led Pelicans at home with a scrub lineup that had no Baines, no Irving, no Horford, and no Hayward. Kyrie Irving hitting two ridiculous three-pointers to seal it in overtime against the Wizards and the emergence of uh, Celtics rookie Robert Time Lord Williams uh, <laughs> as a budding big man. And now to what happened tonight, uh, which is they took on the Phoenix Suns, the shit-ass Phoenix Suns at home. This is, again, Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, and got beat, so that's not great. Um, no. Some other, uh, some some late Breaking news, which is Ooh. also not great from this game, is that uh, Celtics big man Aaron Baines broke his fucking hands on the rim. Or hands, oh, not hands. No. He broke it one hand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> singular hand. Literally, oh, like an un- for- it was like a lob from Kyrie Irving, and it was an uncontested dunk, and he just slammed it down and came up like in obvious pain. Actually, stuck his hand out to like you know, high five or whatever is whoever the fuck it was, (laughs) which was a dumb move by him and got like whacked on the hand and then just immediately like buckled over in more pain. And then like during the game, they were like, yeah, he fucking broke his hand. He's fucked. Oh my God. That sucks. Why do the Celtics keep having these freak injuries? That's a weird one. Break your hand on the rim. Like yeesh. Yikes. Anyway, uh, and again, it was an uncontested, like he he had a clear lane to the hoop. It was like, you see the, didn't get pushed, didn't get hit. Yeah. Nothing weird. Just cracked it off the rim. So anyways, uh, one eight in a row, lost two in a row. I mean, Detroit's not a good team. The Suns aren't a good team. So that's a little disheartening. Uh, This week, they've got uh, the Bucks, which is a little scary, the Hornets, and then they've got Mm -hmm. the 76ers on Christmas Day. Oh, nice Christmas Day game. How lovely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Turning our attention to the last team in town, the Red Sox. 
basically almost nothing happened this week. Like uh, literally but, nothing. Yeah. But last week, if you'd gotten that episode, <laughs> you'd know that the, <laughs> the winter meetings were held in Las Vegas. There were rumors that the Sox were listening to offers for pitcher Rick Porcello, center fielder Jackie Bradley, and shortstop Xander Bogarts. But uh, general manager Dave Dombrowski denied these reports and said the Sox aren't looking to dump payroll, but are trying to retool for another World Series run this year. We'll Get see. him, Dave. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, there was also a report that Craig Kimbrell uh, wants to be the highest paid closer in history, looking for a $100 million six-year contract. Uh, and basically, to the surprise of no one, he is still an unrestricted free agent. Amazing. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. um, also, last week saw the departure of Sox reliever slash Yankee fighter and World Series hero. 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 Uh, <laughs> hero. Machine Gun Joe Kelly. Also my neighbor. Bye. Uh, he is signed with the L.A. Dodgers on a three year, twenty five million dollar deal. Big money for Joe Kelly coming out of the L.A. Big money for Joe Kelly. Uh, yeah, good for him. I, I just, you know. Yeah, good for him. Bad for the Dodgers. He he was responsible for some of the worst and some of the best relief pitching exp- uh, uh, performances I've ever seen in my life. All yeah. in one year. In fact, yeah. all within like three months of each other. Also allowed um, me and my father-in-law to have a great argument at family dinner about whether or not he sucked. <laughs> Well, because once you found out he lived in Quincy, that means he's automatically a nice guy uh, if who you're deserves from, respect. If, yeah, he's one of our people. Are you kidding me? How dare you talk ill <laughs> of him? Well, he's gone now, so yeah. fire away. Look who was right now. <laughs> so a lot's uh, been going on uh, in 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 Boston, sports-wise, certainly. But we're going to probably spend most of our time this episode talking about the Patriots as they are, first of all, they are in what appears to be a fucking free fall, at least by their own standards. And also you and I haven't really had, I'm trying to think of the last time other than last week that we like really like dug into some Patriot stuff. Um, you know, we've obviously a couple months ago, we had playoff baseball. Then we got into some, you know, the Celtics struggling early and things like that. And throughout that time, it was sort of more of a normal Patriots experience where they were winning a fair amount of games. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to dig in on the, and see what the fuck is going on. Quick update on my uh, recording this episode in my car behind a domino situation. A gigantic truck uh, has showed up. It was, I was just getting buzzed around by delivery drivers for a while, but now there's a giant truck and they're unloading what I can only imagine is a shitload of frozen ass pizzas. Uh, but I'll be keeping my eye on them for quality control. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh look at that pallet. Holy shit. This is a peek behind the curtain for sure. You're getting way sure. too much inside information about Domino's. Yeah, no, more you, than I ever thought I'd need or want. <laughs> all right, so this week, uh, the Pats lost yeah. to the Steelers, as we Brutal. all know. It was a fucking frustrating was, game. What was it? Do you have any, do you have any like, initial takes just like coming right out of that? It was just frustrating to watch. Like We've seen the Patriots lose before. And it's not pleasant. Like, nobody wants to see your team lose. But this was just, like, it felt like they were so close every time. And, like, the defense giving up 17 points to Pittsburgh, like, you can't hold them accountable for what happened there. They had some good special teams play. Like, and then I just feel like the offense, like, never was clicking. Like, they just couldn't. They'd move the ball great. And then 
couldn't seem to get in the end zone. And like we're just giving it up every fucking time. You know what's been driving me nuts recently is it feels like the Patriots can't score outside of like the opening drive of a game or a half. Like they like for those who may not know, like I never knew this until I learned it. uh, it, Like they they go into their they go into each week with an opening drive like script. Like they know exactly what plays they're gonna run in what order, and like assuming they execute, they're gonna march the the fuck down the field because they have a good idea of what you know. It's like it's the only time in the game where you know more or less where you're gonna get the ball from. You know what the probably what the score is going to be or at least what it's going to be close to you know you can be no more than seven points behind by the first time you get the ball you know so like they script that shit and in the minnesota game they scored on their opening drive i think in the miami game they at least got points on their opening drive if they didn't score a touchdown in this game they got points on their opening drive but like so that like when you start off these games you're like all right here we go and then it dries up so freaking fast and they are just absolutely un- they scored 10 points I, it, on Sunday yeah 10 it points. was embarrassing the fucking Patriots 10 points that's brutal and, and seven of them came on the opening drive like what what are right. we doing and they spent you know 48 minutes doing nothing and if I had told you that last week if I had said Melissa the fucking Patriots are gonna go into Pittsburgh and they're gonna hold Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, we're going to hold them to 17 points. Who wins that game? Patriots. Patriots every time. Every, yep. 10 out of 10. Oh, you're going to hold them to fucking 30, 17 like, oh, points? 30 to 17. Brady, nice. Yeah, Brady and the Patriots <laughs> need to score 20 to win. Like, yeah. done deal. Okay. Like, they'll win that Easy. game going away. Easy. No. And they obviously didn't do it. And it's just it's just wild to me that when you look at the roster, I mean, when you look at who they have available on offense between uh, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, James White, first-round pick, Sony Michelle, Tom effing Brady, like, and you get 10 points? Ugh! <laughs> well, and they were just killed with penalties, too. Like, it felt like every series it was holding... I can't even think of anything else. Yeah, well, no, it was a lot. It, it was, was a lot of holding of calls. illegal formation. This <laughs> yeah. and holding that yeah, and, and false like, starts it, here. It, it, and it's it, all false start. Like, that's the word I couldn't think of. And it's you all can't even blame the refs, right? Right. And it was all shit at the line. Like, so it's just that's to me like mental mistakes because they're not. You know, that's not like oh the refs are calling it tight and like they're calling a ton of pass interference. You know, downfield. Nope. It's like you are giving up yards because now you're taking away whatever momentum you'd made and you're backing up and like that last series of the game where they ended up getting backed up 10 yards because of a holding call and i think it was on shaq mason it was so frustrating and then tom brady goes for the same play four plays in a row and it didn't work any fucking time oh you you mean the play where he throws the ball to fucking kareem abdul jabbar 10 feet over (laughs) rob Gronkowski's head great love that play love that play let's see more of that down by the goal throws his own field goal fires it into the first row of the seats i i just was like you can get a first down. Like, you're not third and goal right now. You could get a first down, get out of bounds, and get four more plays. Like, why is that not an option? Yeah, it, just uh, a little check down to James White by yeah. the sideline. Oh, I don't know why they didn't do that open. 12 their times. Entire, their entire fucking defense was standing in the end zone. Because, you know, stupidly, like the Patriots did the week before, yeah, assumed exactly. it was going to be a Hail Mary. <laughs> uh, I, oh, God. 
It was yeah, it's, bonkers. It's it, it was a concerning loss. I mean, like it's one thing, you know, like I I you know, let's like just quickly like going back to like Super Bowl 52, right? Where it was oh, like knockdown, drag out, points flying all over the board, like basically yeah. comes down to the last possession in like No defense showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like this just didn't feel like that type of game where it was like, you know, it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to just not be prepared it seems like like right. the things that we historically typically usually applaud and and uh you know lavish the patriots with praise over is just the little things that they do well like being prepared and not being penalized and we like laugh at dumb teams for doing mm-hmm. dumb shit like i don't know did mike tomlin have like a dumb idiot moment <laughs> in the steelers game like <laughs> I, it, it, if he did, I missed it because, like, I, you know, the Patriots never put the Steelers in a position where they really had to, like, panic, you know? Yeah, and, the, and Mike Tomlin didn't do anything boneheaded, which is what you would have expected. He he might have tried to challenge a play that was unchallengeable, but I don't Whatever. It doesn't matter because that's not what we walk, we're walking away talking about, which it should be. Like, oh, Ben Roethlisberger made a stupid throw. He got picked off twice by Harmon, and still they couldn't capitalize on it. Yeah. I mean, really, just like they, it's Pittsburgh tried to. Hand it was you there the for it was game. there for yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, it was right there for you. Yeah. Um, anyway. So I was I was stirred oh. by a uh, by a, an article in the Globe this week by uh, old friend of the pod Ben Volan. <laughs> um, I think it was it was either Sunday or I'm sorry it was either Monday or Tuesday I forget which but he basically he wrote an article the headline says meet the suddenly ordinary paths. <laughs> Uh, and the most impactful thing to me is this, the, all the parallels between, uh, this year and 2009, which was, is, is generally regarded as the worst year in the Brady Belichick era. Right. Um, a a couple excerpts that stuck with me from the article. He starts by saying, the Patriots have entered unfamiliar territory in the 2018 season. They've lost five games for the first time since 2009. They're scoring their fewest points at 26.7 per game since 2009. They have a losing record on the road for the first time since, wait for it, 2009. <laughs> uh, the season is by no means over. The number two seed, which comes with a first round bye and second round home game, is absolutely still within reach. But this year's Patriots game is struggling like we haven't seen in nearly a decade under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And then he goes on to kind of recap the offseason where we obviously saw Nate Solder and Danny Amendola and fucking Dion Lewis and all these players walk out the door. But there's some numbers in here that are sort of startling that aren't just player personnel type things, such as Tom Brady has his lowest lowest passer rating and most interceptions uh, since 2013. He's 25th among quarterbacks against the Blitz, which Whoa. is crazy. Usually Tom Brady destroys teams who Blitz. Yeah. You know, they bring extra bring extra pressure, and he gets the ball out in a second and a half to some wide-open person who was supposed to be covered by someone who's running at the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says Rob Gronkowski looks slow and stiff, I agree, and That's is it. on pace for a career low in touchdowns Ooh. and receiving yards per game. This is a fucking wild one. Buckle up for this fucking stat. Julian Edelman's seven drops are tied for the second most in the NFL, and he missed the first four games of the season. Oh my god! Second most in the NFL, and he missed four games. That's is brutal. Oh, I didn't even. Isn't realize that so that. bad? Ooh, that hurts. So, uh, 
just a couple more on just the offense. I mean, I didn't get into any of the defensive stuff because I think we all know the Patriots defense isn't the strength of the team, but the offense presumably is, was, should be, has been. I don't know. So a couple more things. The Patriots are currently number seven in the NFL, uh, just gross scoring. Uh, which would be their lowest ranking since 2008, which is the Matt Castle year. Interesting. Their downfield passing attack is in dire shape, and Chris Hogan's 63-yard touchdown run this past Sunday, where he was wide his ass open, was their longest play of the season, but it's only the 50th longest play in the NFL this year. Oh, whoa. Uh, Yeah, it's just like— Oh, God, they're so mediocre. Some (laughs) of those, they are so mediocre. Like, that's what that tells me. It's like, they're just— they're just another team. Like yeah. They are just yeah. a They're team a fighting. Middling playoff team. Scrapping to get in. Oh, But the 2009 boy. stuff, it's like, you know, and for those that, uh, you know, may not remember, that was the year after Brady tore up his knee, so he comes back, and they were a little out of sorts. That was Randy Moss's last year with the Patriots. They traded him midseason. Their their playoff performance was Wild Card Weekend at home, where Ray Rice ran all over them, and that game yeah. was th- that game was over before it even started. They got blown out at home by the Ravens, probably the worst playoff loss, I would say, of the Brady Belichick era, just in terms of like the degree to which you got smoked. Yeah, it wasn't even a contest, which could very Not well be what this year's playoff looks like too. Yeah, and I mean something that. I feel like we always need to remind ourselves is that, you know, fortunately the Patriots aren't playing their former selves this year in the playoffs. Yeah. They're playing yeah. the other teams in the AFC, which like, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel great about any game uh, against the Chargers or the Chiefs or even the Texans. I don't know. Like, I don't feel great about anything with the Patriots right now, but right. I'm not like shaking in my boots. Like there's no dominant team out there. Yeah, they've they've all shown that they're fallible at this point. You know, like there was a time in the season where you were like, oh shit, this Kansas City team might be legit, but they've dropped some big games and they've come back to earth a little bit. And I think for sure the Texans always kind of come back down. And um the chart I mean the Chargers are pretty real, but like, you know, they're still the LA Chargers. So I'll, I'll yeah. believe it when I see they're, it. They're, like, I, mm, I don't know. In the playoffs. Yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah, they're good. They're a great regular season team. But, like, what have they done in the playoffs? Like, what has Philip Rivers ever been able to accomplish in the playoffs? And it's nothing. Not a whole lot. I mean, but the, I was actually, I was talking about this with my uh, uh, Indiana Colts fan friend the other day. <laughs> we were talking about the Chargers. And in, in one of the things with Philip Rivers is that in the years that he was at his best, also that happened to be a lot of the same years where Tom Brady yeah. and Peyton Manning were at their best. That, in the it AFC, does kind of so suck. For him. I think he gets a bit of a tough, tough draw just because he, you know, his teams were like B pluses, while the Colts and the Pats at that time were like A pluses. Yeah. you know, yeah, they weren't. But bad. anyways, he was just not going to get any credit or publicity. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody in the AFC playoff picture has a reputation for being like a ballsy playoff winner. Maybe with one exception, and that's Ben Roethlisberger, but we've seen him lose. So I can name three or four gigantic, like awful losses, like last year against Jacksonville, that equal or or outnumber the amount of big wins. But you've got Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson in Houston. You've got Andy Reid and uh, Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. Philip Rivers, and I don't know who the coach of the Chargers is in L.A., and fucking Mike Tomlin's rock-headed ass in Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> getting all rapey. Like, 
historically, I'd take Tom Brady and Bill Belichick over any of those <laughs> yeah. bums. But like this year, I don't, I don't fucking know, man. I, I if they end up winning out and going eleven and five, I'm fairly confident that was the same record they had in 2008, which was the Matt Castle year. And it's like that is correct. Jesus. So so way to go, Tom. Matt Cat. I mean, I get it. Tom Brady's 41. <laughs> like Matt Castle was a young guy at the time, but you know. That was also uh, largely the same team that had gone undefeated the, the previous year before. Year, but yeah. yeah. But 11 and 5 is not where we expect. But this is the same team basically that went to the Super Bowl last year. That's a, a very good point. So, you know, it's it's just interesting to look at it with that context that we it's also funny to think like, oh, when Matt Castle went 11 and 5, we were like, "Whoa, great season. I can't believe he was able to pull that off." And now this team might do it and we're like, well, these bums, they're losers. The dynasty's over. <laughs> Dude, the other thing, too, is like, yeah, I mean, I expect them to win out, but I'm honestly a little afraid of this Bills Me game too. on Sunday. Me too. This, this Josh Allen kid, they have a quarterback. Oh. I, I've only seen highlights, like, to be clear. Like, I haven't watched, like, a full fucking Buffalo Bills oh, game. Haven't? Forgive yeah. me. <laughs> but the highlights of this guy running he, around. Yeah. is He's an animal. Yeah. He, I mean, he's going to get hurt. Like, it probably, like before this podcast even posts because he runs with such <laughs> reckless abandon. But like, oh, maybe, assuming he survives on Sunday, he is going to run all over the Pats. It's going to be fucking brutal. Yeah, their their run defense hasn't necessarily been their strength this year. No, and they're terrible. They're they're bad against mobile yeah, quarterbacks. Straight up bad. Run like runs like a gazelle on the plains, like just anywhere you, he wants to go. Just wait. Just wait, Patriots fans. He's going to catch you all by surprise. Like, it's you You haven't fucking heard his name very much, and neither had I. But, like, this kid's going to fucking run wild on Sunday. Um, all right. So what about this injury thing? You want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, I do. Uh, Mike Giardi was on Toucher and Rich, I think, this morning. Yeah, it was this morning. It was on Wednesday morning. And, and he was talking about, like, how Brady has looked just like his lower half, so his legs, have been off going all the way back to the Tennessee game. Um, he said, I would not be surprised when all is said and done that we hear something about either, I'm guessing it's an MCL. I'm saying he has a tear or a partial tear of the MCL. And that's why he's still playing. Do you, do you buy that? Do you think that Brady's out there playing hurt? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I really do. I mean, it's, it's funny though. Cause like, I think that, like most football players, Tom Brady has had injuries and played through injuries plenty of times in his career. But what's different about this year is like you can see in some of these plays, like you saw it in the final series uh, against Pittsburgh this week, you can see the evidence of a guy whose primary goal is self-preservation. Self yeah. Like he's ducking out of throws. He's rolling out to his left when there's like very little pressure on him. You know, there, there's just kind of traffic around the pocket, but no, like, one pass rusher necessarily, like, breaking away and getting home. And he's just bailing, ba straight up bailing out of some of these throws. And uh, previous versions of Tom Brady would hang in there and hang in the pocket oh, yeah. and deliver a fucking strike. And I just don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't believe that the only difference between then and now is the fact that now he's got a hurt knee. You know, like, he's had injuries before. Of course he has. Whether or not we've known about them is separate. But, like, he's hung in there like, like just like anybody else would late in the season. And you know what I mean? Yeah, but if we... If we but this year he's just not yeah, doing well, it. Well, and if we didn't know the severity of the injury, I also heard an interesting statistic 
kind of supporting Giardi's theory that he is actually getting less pressure than the majority of the quarterbacks in the league. In fact, he's the fifth lowest in being pressured on throws. So just like the the total amount of pressure yeah. he's faced is fifth lowest among yeah. quarterbacks in the league. So like 24% Yeesh. of his throws, he's facing pressure. And watching him, you would think that it's 100% of them. The way that he's bailing out, it feels like he's making quick decisions. He's not doing his full like read to find out who's open. Like we just talked about him like missing wide open guys. Like dude is like waving a flag at him. And he's not seeing it. And to me, that's like because he's just trying to get rid of the ball because he's afraid of like being hit or losing the ball or I, it, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Greg Bedard on the Sports Hub this week and he was talking about Gronk's numbers being way down this year. And he was like, yeah, I mean, they don't they don't design short routes for Rob Gronkowski like they have him running like, you know, like decently long, like 10, 15, sometimes 20 yard patterns. And like Brady's can't hang on to the ball that right. long. And it's not because he's getting pressured. Like you were yeah. saying, it's just cause he wants out. Like he wants, he's just like, fuck this shit. I, I don't have time to wait for Gronk to like make his break, you know, 15, 20, 25 yards down the field. Like he's just not hanging in the pocket and allowing those plays to happen. Right. He's not like trusting that he can let the, play kind of build in front of him and that he's going to have an opportunity to make a throw. And and I think that hurts the Patriots. Like that's what they're good at. And he's always been known for his pocket presence and like not releasing the ball too soon. And, you know, he, knowing how to fall, like his pliability helps his body know how to fall and absorb the shock from it. But this year it just feels like he's, he's just quick to release it. And that's going to be a problem for them because if you know that that's like, if that's what the tape is on Brady, then you know who to defend. Like you're gonna run your defense differently because you're not yeah, just gonna cover, worry. Cover James White. Cover exactly. James White out of the backfield exactly. because no one else is gonna be open downfield. Right. And if they are, it's not gonna matter because Brady will have bailed right. by that point. Edelman will drop it. Gronk won't be able to hit his route before Brady's like tossing it down. I couldn't believe that Edelman stat. I mean, he gets targeted a yeah. lot, like to be clear, but to be second in the league in drops and you've missed a, a quarter of yeah, the season, not like great. that's Bad with two games remaining. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the rest of the yeah, league has two games sure. remaining yeah, yeah, too, so yeah. that's not really fair. But yeah, I mean, you missed a quarter of the season, over a quarter of the games played that everybody else has right. played so far. It's like yikes. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, so we got a call this week. Yeah, let's hear it. And actually, we should also say too that we should uh, we we have an apology to our uh, Dolphins fan caller, yeah, Dan the Dolphins fan, who got. To the opportunity to call into our show and rub our noses yeah. in the Dolphins' victory last week, but unfortunately, <laughs> that was also the week that has lost yeah. to uh, lost to the to the to Ether. the digital artifacts. Yeah. It's of life. somewhere, but never to so, be recovered. Sorry, buddy. But you, maybe yeah, Dan, year. you were right. You win. This or you know, you know what will happen, Dan? When the Dolphins win out this year and the Patriots drop the last two and the Finns win the AFC East, then you can oh, really Jesus. fucking go nuts. Oh, anyway, so we have this caller this week who did not identify himself. So yeah. I, well, this is just our mystery caller who uh, who had a bunch of takes and got actually cut off by our voicemail system. So uh, we're just gonna let him roll and re and respond to what he's got to yeah. say. Well, when it comes to the Patriots, I definitely I definitely like to point out how bad that our road performances have been. Something I just kind of, that kind of confuses me is how good we've done on the road and like how how well we've done on the road the past couple of years. 
For example, in 2016, 8-0 on the road, 14-2 record. Amazing performances on the road by the Patriots. 2016, a little bit worse, falling by one, 7-1 on 2017. But now, you know, being being at 3-5 and five on the road this season, just I don't really know why. I mean, I guess you can say the – you can say that the bright side is, yeah, we are good at home instead of losing at home like like we did the for the past two years. Let me just stop him right there. Yes, caller, mystery caller, whose name we don't know. Uh, you know, I I don't. I'm a negative guy. I don't know if I look at the like, you know, the fact that they're good at home as justifying them being bad on the road. I mean, they're always good at home. So like that, if once that stops happening, then you know the fucking end, the, the dream is, is dead. But I didn't realize that in 16 they were 8-0 yeah. on the road and 17 they were 7-1 and like that. And, you know, where did those teams end up? The fucking Super yeah. Bowl. That's where they ended yeah. up. Like, that's that's staggering. To go from 8-0 to 7-1 to 3-5 is not good. Yeah, I think that's a big concern. You know, they say, like, good teams win on the road. And, you know, I think... E- e- and they're yeah. right. And more specifically, <laughs> I think prepared teams win on the road. Like, that... You go into someone else's house and you can beat them. That's because you know what they're going to do. Like you understand their makeup. You understand what their game plan is going to be. And you have you have a strong game plan to combat that. And it just doesn't feel like that's what's happening with the Patriots this year. Yes, especially when you think of like, you know, just in order of when they happened, like the losses anyways. Jacksonville, they got destroyed. Detroit, they got destroyed. Tennessee, they got destroyed. Uh, Freaking Miami was a game. Okay, fluky ending, but they didn't play great. I mean, they played well enough to win, but, like, whatever. Out to lunch on the final play. And then this Pittsburgh game where they fucking score 10 points. Like, say what you want about how the rest of it played out. But, like, you know, these are not, like, like I was saying, like the Super Bowl analogy. Like, these are not, like, you know, down to the wire, like, oh man, like could have gone either way. Like this is not, that's not how it's been happening. No. Anyways, he goes on. Um, Another thing I'd like to point out is Rob Gronkowski. He, as a whole, we haven't been targeting him enough as he has been double covered a lot. He's having a bit of a down year, not having as many catches, touchdowns, stuff like that. And you can also tell in some of the games that we lose, James White is always not getting enough receptions. I don't really understand why we don't continue to feed James White. He is such a big part of this offense to this team, yet we don't seem to utilize him as much as we really used to. For example, like mostly in 2017, we utilized him oh so much. Um, Sonny Michelle, obviously, after losing Deion Lewis, I really like Sonny Michelle. Yeah. So he gets cut off yeah. shortly after that as he goes on to make a point about Sonny Michelle that doesn't get finished. But the James White thing, I 100% agree with the caller, where... I don't know where he's been for the last couple weeks, but he hasn't been getting the ball very much. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of talked about the Gronk point of, like, why Gronk hasn't gotten right. the targets. And it, it, it's because, you know, it's almost because Brady's not giving him the time to flush out the play. But, yeah, the James White thing is weird because you would think that, like, with Brady bailing out of play soon or sooner, James White would be his primary target because he tends to be there for that, like, quick grab. Yeah, the check down. So- I mean, it's the check down is that that's the most... That early in the season, that felt like you know uh, before we had Gordon and before Edelman came back, like that was basically the Patriots' yeah. offense. It was little checkdowns to James White. That was the only thing they had that was going for them. Um, but yeah, he's been quiet. I mean, I, I I haven't gotten any sense that he's been hurt. Yeah. So if they want to put him on ice and wait for the playoffs, that is fine by me. But it, as long as in crunch time, they start yeah, but going use his way. Him. 
Yeah, if you're going to put him on ice, fine. But then use him when he comes back. Like, I, th- I think the caller's right. There's so much opportunity to get James White involved. And, like, he's scrappy and, like, tough to take down. And just feels like, you know, what we've come to know as a quintessential Patriots player. Like, multiple positions, can do anything you ask. And yet, he seems to just be kind of, like, being left to the side. And I don't know why. Yeah, it's frustrating for sure. <laughs> And just a quick reminder to anybody that's listening, you too can get on this podcast yeah. if you give us a call. The number is 904-87-TT-POD, T-T-P-O-D. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail any old time. Give us your takes. And as long as we're recording <laughs> successfully, uh, your you call will, will get heard. on the air. <laughs> but uh, whoever this caller is, good takes. Yeah, I like you. it. Call back. Give us yeah, your name next time. Um. One last question for you, Craig, unless you had anything else you wanted to cover before we move on to our lightning round. No, fire away. So Patriots have two games left, Bills and the Jets. Yes. T- typically, both at home. Uh, typically, I would say, like, yeah, easy. Mail it in. Two wins. But uh, how are you feeling this year? Uh, for these two yeah. games? So, well, I am legitimately nervous about the Bills game. I really, really am. Like, I, I don't know... You know, what's going on in that locker room? I don't know what the tone is or the tenor or how they're approaching this game. Um, But I think we're going to learn a lot about what kind of Patriots team we have on Sunday. Uh, But I do think this Josh Allen guy is going to just fucking run wild and assuming that he can survive the whole game. Because, like I said, reckless (laughs) abandon is the only way to describe the way that this gentleman plays the game. Um uh, yeah, so I'm legitimately nervous about that because if they lose, oh, I, I don't even know. I if don't, they like, lose, up, up is down, oh, black is Jesus. white. Like, I don't. If even they know. lose one of those games and end up ten and six, they're gonna need to like close the zakum because people are gonna be trying to jump off it. Oh my god! Yeah, they're gonna Big have to brutal. put a bunch of floaties yeah. into Charles. <laughs> the other thing too is that Jets game they played. So they beat the Jets in the Meadowlands. Like that was, you know, that was a good road win. Sure, but keep in mind that game was fucking uh, what's his name, Josh McCown. Yeah. Um, that you know, their 40 year old backup <laughs> quarterback, like that wasn't even their real guy. Like, we got I forget who started that Jets, the Bills game earlier in the year. That game oh, was yeah. trash that Monday nighter. Oh, shit. Who was um, that? it doesn't matter. It wasn't Peterman, no. but it doesn't matter. Yeah, so the, the two quarterbacks we're going to be facing in the final two weeks of the year with the Bills and the Jets, they have not been, they haven't faced them before, and they both have promise yeah. you know like josh allen and sam darnold like they're they're they can play you know so i don't know i'm i'm uncomfortable with it though particularly the bills game but one thing i will say too is that it's it's you know we've always known that the pats have gotten a little bit of a leg up because their division's been bad so bad. poor historically but this is the first year in a long time that i can say like they needed the division to be terrible yeah or else they'd really have a have a tough race for a you know for their division or for the wild card. Yeah, they're fortunate, and you know some of those teams. To your point, like Joshua Allen and Sam Darnold, look like they could bring those teams kind of into the next era as we're waning, and it makes you real worried for like what Patriots AFC East standings are going to look like in the near future. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm not saying that these guys are like the next big thing, no, but like but they're young and mobile and can play. Right. They can play. Like right. They both deserve to be in the league, it seems. Uh, and like, you know, not a lot of tape, not a lot of game experience against them. Like, I don't know. It just it just 
you know, and the Patriots seem vulnerable. Like, yeah, it does make you nervous because they come in with like hope and a glimmer of like, oh, we can take down the Patriots. Yeah, let's do it. And like, you're you're not indestructible anymore. Yeah, seriously. How do you feel? Are you nervous or you think it's going to be like business as usual? Crunch them in July. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm going to go with because Hmm. I'm not. I'm not nervous because, like, at the end of the day, I try to remind myself, like, it is still the Patriots and, like, the, it is still Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And, like, I trust that they can beat the Bills and the Jets. But I also thought they could beat Pittsburgh. And, you know, they didn't. So <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I'm going to go with two wins. I'm going to call two wins. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if I had to bet on it, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the spread is on the bills. I might take the bills, but if I had to bet on it, <laughs> I would take the. Yeah. Pats if you just had a better yeah, one, I agree. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, all right. Let's get to this lightning round, shall we? Yes. All right, lightning round. Here we go. We got to keep it quick. Okay, we'll try. We're terrible at keeping it quick. But uh, (laughs) this week, Tom Brady and Stefan Gilmore got named to the Pro Bowl. Exciting. Hooray. Uh, This is the first time the Patriots have only had two players named to the Pro Bowl uh, since 2008, as we mentioned before, the Matt Castle year. Is this a sign of lack of talent on the Patriots roster or stars underachieving, i.e. Gronk, Edelman, McCourty, etc.? Uh, I think it's primarily, I mean, because again, it's a Pro Bowl, right? So like, I think primarily this is stars underachieving, which is why they're not represented here. Like the 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 Patriots have plenty of Pro Bowl caliber players on their roster, you know, yeah. but they certainly aren't performing like it. So I think, I think this is more, I mean, I do think that there is a lack of talent on the Patriots roster, yeah. to be clear. Uh, but in terms of like names that would be in the Pro Bowl, like, your Gronks, your Edelmans. A lot of people were getting all bent out of shape because James Devlin wasn't on the Pro Bowl. Matt Slater had gone to like seven of the last eight or something like that. Like this is these are all takes reserved for people who give a shit about the Pro Bowl. But I do think it speaks to like how poorly they've been playing. And honestly, I'm not even so sure Tom Brady deserves to be there this Uh, year. That was more what struck me about it. As I was like, Tom Brady, really? I don't know. Gilmore's been balling though. That's yeah, he's been him and Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers was the other snub, I thought. I think so. Um, all right, Melissa, yeah. this question was in last week's episode, but it never saw the light of day. So I'm going to ask you again. Last yes. week, an expansive ESPN Outside the Lines report on the food Ooh. served at North American Pro Sports Stadiums was released. They ranked all North American sports venues from worst to best sorted by sport. And it was basically like they went into all these places and like gave a bunch of violations for a bunch of gross shit. So. The best venues just had the least violations. Okay. Uh, You'll be glad to hear that the TD Garden, Fenway Park, and Gillette Stadium were all in their respective sports top 10. Oh, nice. For best slash cleanliest slash least problematic (laughs) food vendors. Uh, And just as a fun PS, uh, Yankee Stadium was the worst in Major League Baseball. Uh, So my question to you, Melissa, is do you mess around with stadium food? Uh, And uh, what's what's your poison, if so? I do. Uh, you know, I'm always good for like a beer or two. I think that's important. Uh, sure. And then when I go to... <laughs> I think that's important. <laughs> I just want to set the record. You know, and then when I go to eat something in a stadium, I feel like it needs to be real finger food, like a hot dog or popcorn or a pretzel. You can't eat like 
like you can get like chicken fingers and french fries it, it's too much to balance and work with like i just can't do that i can't hmm. i i would like that as a meal but not in a stadium setting also my one complaint about stadium food is the size of the slice of pizza at the td garden it's inedible it's far too big and there's no way to hold it and eat it respectfully oh good bang for your buck on that slice yeah though. it's a it's too it's the whole length of my arm I'm like, it's like a World Series pennant. Whacking the guy in front of me with my fist <laughs> while I'm trying to eat my pizza. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I highly recommend checking out that article for anybody that's listening. That was very interesting and very disgusting. Yeah. It might give you a good idea of like what ballparks to go visit if you wanted to do like a away game somewhere. Mm, or not visit. Yeah, yeah. or not. Uh, Carolina Panthers safety Eric Reed was randomly selected for a drug test following Monday's 12-9 defeat uh, to the ha- at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. According to Reed, this is the seventh time he's been tested, despite appearing in just 11 games for the Panthers this season. You, rem- you may remember Reed from his social activism and decision to kneel during the na- national anthem a few years back. He was actually the first player to kneel with Colin Kaepernick in 2016 when the two former 49ers began drawing attention towards issues of racial inequality and police brutality. Is the NFL seriously dogging Eric Reed this bad? And why are they so goddamn obsessed with these anthem kneelers? I have no idea why they're so obsessed with the anthem guys. It, the NFL is seriously fucking dogging Eric Reed this bag. It does it it, it, it does not yeah. make any sense to me why they are targeting him in such a overt way. The guy's been tested seven times and played eleven games this year. Like that's crazy. Uh, and just there's a lot of bad dudes in the NFL, man. Like we in in like in the age of social media and everybody having cameras and video recorders in their pockets at all times. Like we are exposed to some of the shenanigans that NFL players and really anybody in public life get into in their personal time and off the field yeah. and like. We have a much better understanding now than we ever have before of like the degree of just rampant domestic abuse and violence towards women, wives, girlfriends, children in some cases. Like it's brutal. And like the in the NFL chooses to make sure that this dude is like walking the fucking straight and narrow because he 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 protests yeah. police brutality. It's nuts. It, it, yeah, it boggles my mind where they choose to like lean in and give a guy a hard time. It's just more evidence of the NFL not knowing what's really important at the end of the day. Seriously. Anyway. All right. In a less frustrating yes, story. Much funnier. Unless unless you worked for NASA <laughs> in the past. Uh, this week, Golden State Warriors point guard Steph Curry made a like offhanded comment on some podcast about how he thought the moon landing was <laughs> fake. Uh, this caused a lot of fucking ruckus. In the basketball slash space community. Uh, and one of the people who actually reached out to Steph on Twitter was former NASA astronaut Scott Kelly, Ooh. who spent 520 days in space across four different missions. He did not, however, go to the moon. Oh, well, then what does he know? Uh, well, the two ended up having a 16-minute discussion on Instagram Live with one another, oh. with one another rather, where they talked about the Apollo program, which were the, the moon landings, yeah. uh, NASA in general, space flight, and the importance of inspiring kids to care about science, technology, engineering, and math, among other things. Uh, Steph Curry said that his podcast remarks were a joke and that he was taken aback by the stir that they caused. 
Uh, so my question to you, Melissa, is was this a joke gone wrong by Steph or is this another NBA flat earth uh, type conspiracy theory that he's just walking back because of the bad press? Uh, I think it was probably legitimately a joke. The, I, the like faked moon landing is one of the biggest conspiracy theories out there. Like there are tons of like conspiracy theory people that all say that it was faked and it was just a put on to like increase nationalism at the time. And so I I think it probably was just a joke and him not seriously believing it, but it, you know, it's, it's not so out of left field. Like people talk about that as like a thing. Yeah. I mean, at least that that's like believe. a known, yeah. he's like playing the hits yeah, on exactly. conspiracy theories. Right. You know, it's like saying the Illuminati, you know, created something like okay <laughs> yeah i'm not really even sure what they're taking it supposed to have i done. don't know what they do I, or like aliens built the pyramids well that probably is true but Ooh, that's something i firmly believe <laughs> yeah like I, I you know and i think this scott kelly guy's looking at it all wrong he should be looking at it as like hey if we haven't landed on the moon kids should be more excited about science because like you know there's a pretty achievable goal they could go right after right now <laughs> You want to hear a fun conspiracy? I heard a fun conspiracy theory. I heard about this conspiracy theory. Yes. Where was the outrage from NASA when all the flat earthers were talking about the Earth being flat? Ooh. Do they have Do they have something to hide? Have they, they got a fucking bee in their bonnet when Steph Curry's talking about faking the moon landing? But Shaq and Kyrie Irving and shit are going off for years about the Earth being flat, and they're like, just laughing their little butts up. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. You know. Maybe they were afraid to engage. Maybe they were just hoped they wanted to keep their secrets safe. Oh, you think they believe in the flat earth thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, That's I, what I'm saying. I, I thought, That's the conspiracy thing. I thought you were saying like a whole like thou doth protest too much and that it was like a why are they all protesting that this must be true? You know, no, no, no. Oh. I think they, I might, the, the conspiracy theory is that NASA was like suspiciously silent on the flat earth, oh. but they got all jammed up with the moon. Thing. So we went to the moon from, you would think they'd get jammed planet. up on both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just jumped off the disc and landed on the moon. I saw a thing. This is so unrelated, but I saw a thing the other day <laughs> yeah, that was like, people around the world believe in the flat earth theory. <laughs> and then someone else was like, Say that back out loud to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Yeah. Uh, all right. Getting back to sports. Uh, last week, Washington Capitals forward and captain Alex Ovechkin scored seven goals in three games, including back-to-back hat tricks in games against Detroit and Carolina. This has started some conversation about the possibility of Ovechkin possibly breaking Wayne Gretzky's coveted career goal record. Just for your reference, Gretzky had 894 career goals, which is nearly 100 more goals than the player in second place. Gordie Howe with 801. I love Gordie Howe. Ovechkin has 636 career goals and has been in the league 14 years. That's an average of 45 per year. He's 33 right now and Gretzky retired at 38. If Ovechkin can stay on his 45 goal per year pace, he can break the Great One's record if he plays until age 39 simple question can he do it well uh you know the man is a fucking animal alex govechian is and he's obviously a goal scoring machine he's sort of he's been that his whole career the thing that he's changed most recently he's actually like found out how to like win in the playoffs and like be a good leader of the team yeah. but like i don't know melissa if you've ever explored this i'm sure 
Capitals fans have, but like Alex Ovechkin, he literally, like these have all been like reported, like well-established facts. He basically eats like an entire chicken parm dinner with pasta and like breaded chicken and shit before every fucking meal. Uh, I'm sorry, before every game. <laughs> he drinks soda on the bench. Wow. Like he has a water bottle with Dr. Pepper in it <laughs> on the bench in NHL games in which he's scoring back-to-back hat tricks. Like this guy is out of his fucking mind. And so I don't know how many goals he's actually scored, but we just did the math of it's on pace for 45 goals per year. Yeah. He's got a, if he can keep that up. Drinking his Dr. Pepper. He can Pepper. play until, drinking his fucking pop. Yeah, I think he could. Like Gretzky played Gretzky played a long time, but he didn't play insanely long. Right. He retired at 38. He probably came into the league at 18. So that's like a clean 20-year career. Like nowadays, like that's not yeah. uncommon. Gordy Howe was the opposite. Gordy Howe played until he was like mid-40s. Like he played wicked long. Um, but yeah, Ovechkin is like right there. If he can just keep his current pace, he's just gotta crank out what? Six more years, seven more years, and he's right there. Yeah, and it's, that's entirely doable. Like, a lot of guys play to their mid-40s now. Like, that's not a stretch for him. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be that. I mean, yeah, look at Yager. He, right, the thing that I didn't put Yager. in this little thing is Yager's third. Yager's got 776 on that list, Jesus. if you can believe it. And, yeah, I mean, he's not going to score 45 goals when he's 42, but, you know, Hell if his no, production not. drops Not to with that 20, fucking diet. I don't know. Maybe it's working for him. He's a 12-year-old boy diet. He's working. Dude, you got everybody out there. Just Google, uh, Google Alex Ovechkin diet. You'll be wait, blown wait, away. Wait, now I want to know where the Washington Capitals stadium falls. Stadium rank falls in the list of concessions. Oh, stadium yeah, food. Is yeah. it a good, uh, safe place to eat? <laughs> what kind of poison is he question. adding to himself? Uh, let's just look it up real quick. Okay. Oh, Verizon Center is worst in the nation <laughs> for NHL. <laughs> Oh, and he's just no. tucking into it and every he, night. And he's just, he's just cranking like undercooked chicken parms into his fucking big <laughs> Russian face and lighting the lamp every yeah, fucking night. It's working for him. I say stick with it. Stick with it, they're Alex. Literally Don't worse. let anyone turn Literally, you. Literally, they were the bottom of the fucking <laughs> oh, NHL. God. We That's couldn't hilarious. have even planned that if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Alley-oop. Yeah. All right. Last question for oh. you. Uh, last week it was announced that Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz yes. had a fractured vertebrae Yikes. Uh, and that he will be presumably missing the remainder of the regular season and playoffs if the Seems Eagles are so fortunate like to make the playoffs. Bet. Yeah. This means that uh, your friend and mine, NFL fucking, or sorry, Super Bowl MVP Nick fucking Foles yeah. is back in the starting job for the Eagles. Uh, this week, no big deal. They just went on the road against the best team in football, the LA Rams, and won uh, with Foles taking the snaps. Uh, this is a Boston sports podcast, and we're certainly not here to pump fucking Nick Foles' tires. So instead, we're going to focus on the fact that he, in a press conference today, took questions from the media wearing fucking toe shoes. Like a weirdo. Oh, God. You know, those little like, glove, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Little toe glove to- the shoe Individual things. toe things. Yeah, it was very weird. He was wearing khakis. They were beige-colored toe shoes. Not even your traditional black toe shoe. They were beige-colored? Garment. They were like Desert Storm, like beige. With khakis. Cuffed khakis. It was not a strong look. Uh, He was asked about them. He said that his wife 
uh, did not approve of the of 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 bringing these out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> but he warmed to fucking work anyways. So I don't really have much of a question here. The Patriots have lost two in a row. Nick Foles out here wearing fucking toe shoes, and I just don't know how to deal with <laughs> reality right now. Yeah. Okay. What's your take on First toe of shoes? All, burn all toe shoes. They're disgusting. And they. What's your take on Crocs? I also I don't wear Crocs. I understand people that might like to wear them around their house in their yard. But, like, don't wear them in public. And don't put those fucking pins in them, whatever that is. That's weird. Well, then how are you going to know your Crocs from your buddy's Crocs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. You write your name. When right, you're hanging out at each other's yeah. houses, drinking milk together or whatever Write your Croc name inside do. with a fucking shoppy if you got to. But, like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Nick Foles. You should have retired two years ago when you wanted to. You had to come to the stupid Eagles and ruin our lives. Oh, nobody wanted what that. What a weird guy. Yeah. I don't, I'm not here for it. Get your fucking toe shoes out of here, you gross ass. And you're wearing them with khakis like you're not wearing them with workout clothes i just assumed he was in like workout attire yeah that would have made sense maybe he's just maybe he's got foot issues or whatever he likes the barefoot running thing but you don't want to be like strolling around barefoot i could halfway buy that yeah nope you're wearing nope. them as like cuffed, shoes cuffed khakis. like you're gonna go to the mall and do your christmas shopping in them after don't do that he probably he oh, was God. probably on his and, way to fucking king of prussia like, <laughs> nude ones that's like it's like your Bigfoot, like running around in the forest, just all leaving footprints for. <laughs> <laughs> just with your loose toe hairs oh, flying God, all over the place. Disgusting. Anyway, I can't talk about him anymore. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap this thing <sighs> right. up, shall yeah. we? So Bill's week this week, uh, Bruins and Celtics on the back burner for now. Yeah. But uh, we'll see if we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see how quickly uh, they take center stage. <laughs> depending on how Seriously. things go but you can interact with us definitely feel free to call us leave a voicemail let us know your feelings get it out you'll feel better the phone number is uh 914-87-TT pod very close 904-87-TT pod so 904-87-TT pod i always try to make it an 800 number so i don't know yeah, those are more expensive. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at Titletown Pod on both those platforms. Yeah. Uh, you can also tell a friend if you're a fan of the show and you feel like someone uh, might enjoy it, give them the gift this Christmas season of the Titletown Sports Podcast. Yeah.